0: Welcome back to the channel. My name is Joshua Roberts. I'm an attorney at law, and you're watching Lawyer Up. This is the third episode in the DWI series, and today we're gonna be talking about what to expect when you go to court. I wanna thank everybody that's helping this channel grow. If you learned something, hit that like button. If you got something to say, feel free to comment below. If you wanna learn more, Subscribe to the channel. And finally, if you've got friends out there you think they would like this channel, share it. Share me on social media. And remember, I am a lawyer, but I'm not your lawyer. If you need advice specific to your legal situation, you need to lawyer up with an attorney in your area. Now in previous episodes we talked about what a DWI is and we went through the elements of that offense. Then we talked about the DWI investigation and the interactions between the law enforcement officer and the driver. We talked about field sobriety tests. We talked about breathalyzer tests and whether you should blow. Today we're gonna talk about what happens when the criminal charges are filed and you have to go to court. So after the police officer writes up their police report And they put all the documentation together they send that to the prosecuting attorney and that will generally be with either the municipal prosecutor or the state prosecuting attorney the prosecuting attorney then takes a look at the police report and also the particular driver's criminal history and they make a determination of how to file charges. One of the unique things about a DWI charge, or a driving while intoxicated charge, is that the more of them you get, the more enhanced the penalties become. Generally speaking, on a first or a second offense, it's a misdemeanor. However, if you get two DWIs in too short a period of time, there are usually enhanced penalties. They come with mandatory minimum jail sentences, For example, in the state of Missouri, if you get two DWIs within five years, there's a mandatory jail sentence of 10 days in the county jail. Now that can sometimes be worked out or traded out with community service, but it's about 250 hours of community service, so it's a lot of work. After you get two DWIs, on the third one, they begin to lose their patience with you a little bit. A third DWI is a felony in almost every state in the union. The difference between a misdemeanor and a felony is that in a misdemeanor, the penalty is from one day in the county jail to up to one year in the county jail. But a felony, the penalty is from one year in the Department of Corrections all the way up to whatever the maximum is for that particular felony. When you collect DWIs, you also begin to get labels in the criminal justice system. A first DWI is just simply a a lower-level misdemeanor. But then when you get a second one, it's usually considered a Class A misdemeanor, which is the highest misdemeanor. You also start to get labels that you don't want. Once you get two, you're called a prior offender. Once you pick up your third felony, you're labeled as a persistent offender, and the mandatory minimums increase. Quite often with a third DWI, when you have an individual that doesn't have any other type of criminal record, they'll be offered a DWI court, and that is a treatment court and the purpose of that is to treat the underlying alcoholism issue with the individual without making them a convicted felon. Completion of DWI court will allow the individual to keep the felony off their record, allow them to deal with whatever substance abuse or alcohol issue that they have, and to basically get their driver's license back, which at that point would have basically been obliterated. Often with a felony DWI, you're considered a persistent offender and the mandatory minimum sentence in those cases is usually about 30 days in the county jail, or you can trade it out, but it's gonna be about 500 hours of community service. Again, often the opportunity to participate in DWI court or a treatment court like that will waive the jail time. With a third felony, you're considered a persistent offender, but the fourth, you become an aggravated offender and the court system begins to lose their patience with you. A fourth DWI in Missouri is a felony that comes with a mandatory minimum of 60 days in the county jail. There is no community service option at this point. Offenders on their fourth DWI are often sent to the Department of Corrections for 120 days to do a short-term treatment program in the Department of Corrections. This gives them a taste of the prison system and hopefully will shock them into not committing the same crime again. Once you get to five or more DWIs, you're labeled a chronic offender within the system and you're usually sent to the Department of Corrections for at least two years. There is a long-term treatment program in the Department of Corrections that most people that have that many DWIs get assigned to. So that's the decision that the prosecutor makes by looking at the Uh, nature of the offense, as well as the criminal history of the particular driver. Now, generally on a first offense, it will be a misdemeanor, unless there's some sort of other uh, vehicular felony. If you hurt somebody and got into an accident, it may be filed as a felony. There are also enhancements if the individual was really, really drunk. In most states, having a blood alcohol content about twice the legal limit will lead to an enhanced penalty. So if you're an individual and you are given a ticket for a DWI, what's the first thing you should do? Well, you should definitely lawyer up. Under no circumstances do you wanna try to handle a DWI yourself. You wanna hire a lawyer in your area, set up an appointment, and then go in and visit with that attorney. What that attorney is gonna wanna know is, what happened? What happened on the night in question? Where were you going? What were you doing? How much have you had to drink? Be honest with your lawyer. Tell him or her everything. You don't want your lawyer to learn something new about you in the middle of a court proceeding. Tell your lawyer all about your criminal history and give him all of the paperwork that was given to you. And of course, you're gonna to have to pay your lawyer. We don't work for free. Uh, your lawyer will probably charge you anywhere from a thousand to $5,000 for a DWI, depending upon uh, whether it's your first, second, third, fourth, or whether you want a trial. Once you've hired your lawyer, you two will go to your first court date, which is called an arraignment. At the arraignment, the judge will ask you if you want the charges read to you and then ask for a plea. Most people already have a copy of the charges and they know what they're charged with. So they'll waive a formal reading of the charges and enter a plea of not guilty. From that point, the judge will set the case for a reappearance and give your lawyer an opportunity to do discovery. And that's where they file paperwork that requests documentation that the state has about your DWI. And the state will produce the information that's contained in their file about the arrest. This will include an alcohol influence report, which is the police report that the officer created in connection with the investigation of the DWI. This report will detail their interactions with the driver, the questions they asked them about where they had been and how much they had to drink. The report will also detail the condition of the driver. Were their eyes glassy? Did they slur their words? Did they smell like a brewery? That's a dead giveaway you've been drinking when you roll down the window and the officer can smell alcohol immediately. Any results from a breathalyzer test that you took will also be included in this discovery. Your lawyer will look at all the discovery and make sure that the police followed the proper procedure and that any breathalyzer machine that was at issue was properly calibrated. Most states have requirements that these machines be calibrated every 30 days or so to make sure they're giving accurate information to the court. From there, your case can basically head in one of three or four directions. You're either going to enter a plea or you're going to take the case to trial. One option, of course, is to reach a plea agreement with the prosecuting attorney. Your lawyer will work with the prosecuting attorney to try to work out an agreement that everybody can live with and that a judge will approve. That's not always possible because in a lot of cases, the prosecuting attorney wants this to be on your record and this to be something that sticks with you permanently, where your defense lawyer will probably be trying to argue to keep this off your record, at least if it's your first offense. So that leads to the second option, which is called an open plea. Sometimes you can't come to an agreement with the prosecutor. You're, you agree that you're guilty, but you don't have an agreement with the prosecutor on what should happen to you. In instances like that, you tell the judge, judge, yes, I'm guilty, but we don't have an agreement. We want you to sentence me. And in those types of cases, the judge will enter the plea of guilty and reset the case for what's called a sentencing. All the lawyers will come back and the state will argue about what should happen to you. Your lawyer will argue what should happen to you. but that it be off of your record, and the judge will ultimately make a decision. There's a third type of plea in some states that's called an Alford plea, or a plea of no contest. And that's where you are disputing the facts, but you're not really disputing that you're guilty, and you agree that, hey, if we had a trial, the government could prove beyond a reasonable doubt that I was drinking at the time of the incident. And although you're not admitting any uh, factual wrongdoings, you are agreeing to accept the punishment that the court is doling out to you. Last but not least, if you don't plead guilty, you're gonna have a trial. And you're gonna have to be found guilty to be punished. And it's at this trial where the state will call the police officer and call witnesses. Your lawyer can make arguments and call any witnesses on your behalf. And ultimately, a judge or a jury, if you are so inclined, will decide guilt or innocence. So let's go back and talk about each one of those things in a little more detail. When we're talking about a plea agreement, we're talking about the different parameters of what's going to happen to you or how you're going to be punished after your entry of a guilty plea. Quite often, the prosecutor will look at the level of offense or how many DWIs you have on your record. The prosecutor is also going to look at your criminal history. If you have a lengthy criminal history, your punishment's going to go up. That's the way it works. The Prosecutor's also going to look at your behavior during the arrest. If you were cooperative and you did what the officer asked, it's more likely to work in your favor at this point. If you were combative, if you cussed at the officer, if you threw a punch at him, then you're likely to have a more severe punishment or at least a more severe offer from the prosecuting attorney. The significance of a plea agreement is that both sides agree on what they're pleading guilty to and what the punishment will be. This is significant because you're not leaving that punishment element up to chance in going in front of the judge. Moving on to the open plea, that's where you can't come to an agreement with the prosecuting attorney. And that generally happens because they want it to be on your record. And as a defendant, you want it to be off of your record. In cases like that, you just say, judge, I'm guilty, but I want you to sentence me. Then the prosecuting attorney will say at sentencing, basically, this is a run of the mill DWI. You deserve to be treated like everybody else, and this should be on your record. Your lawyer will probably say, well, no, my client cooperated. He took the field sobriety test. He took the breath test. He has no criminal history. He's a fine, upstanding member of the community. He had a low blood alcohol content at the time, and he should be given a second chance this should be kept off his record. And from there, the judge will make a decision. And usually, if it's your first offense, you've been cooperative, you have a relatively low BAC uh, and no significant criminal history, the judge will at least consider giving you a second chance and having this be off of your record. The same basic procedure with an open plea occurs when you enter what we call an offered plea or a plea of no contest in some states. Finally, if you don't plead, they can't find you guilty, unless they have a trial. And you can proceed to trial with your lawyer. Now, I'll tell you, it's going to cost more to have a trial than it would be to enter a plea. And it's going to cost a lot more to have a jury trial if that's what you choose to do. And remember, at a trial, the state has the burden of proving you guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. They'll call the police officer to the stand, and he'll testify about his training and experience. The officer will testify about the stop and what the vehicle did to draw their attention to it and get him or her to pull you over originally. The officer is going to testify about the observations that he or she made about the driver. Did he look drunk? Did he act drunk? Did he smell drunk? Then the officer will testify about how the driver performed during any field sobriety test. Ultimately, the officer will testify about the results of the BAC test, the breathalyzer test. And let the court know the level of intoxication if indeed the driver took the test as part of the defense you're trying to prove or show that the defendant was not intoxicated so your lawyer will call anyone and everyone that might help prove that point that often could be very difficult ultimately the judge or jury will decide guilt or innocence if you're not guilty hey you go home that's easy But if you are guilty, then the judge decides the sentence. And in deciding the sentence, it follows the procedures we talked about before, where the prosecutor argues about what their recommendation is, the defense lawyer also argues his recommendation on your behalf, and the judge makes the ultimate decision. A lot of times the judge's sentencing decision will be in line with the different types of things we talked about in the beginning. If it's the first or second offense, obviously it's gonna be a lesser sentence than if this is your fourth or fifth time. If you're an aggravated felon, you're probably going to go to prison. If it's your first offense, you're probably not even gonna go to jail for any significant period of time, but you can expect to be put on probation and be given conditions of probation. And during that probationary period, if you mess up, if you get another DWI, or you have another alcohol-related law enforcement contact, they can revoke your probation and you go back in front of the judge to answer to him or her. So that's basically what you can expect through the court process when you get a DWI. There's lots of different particulars to the process, so the most important thing you can do is lawyer up. Thanks for watching this episode. In the next one in the series, we're gonna talk about that administrative DWI and dealing with the executive branch of the government and trying to get your license back. If you learned something today, hit that like button. If you want to learn more, subscribe. And as always, I thank you for watching. Send lawyers, guns, and money. Dad, get me out of this.